the six in the mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Buried views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 12. We've got five in the mix today. Matt, Ryan, Don, Jeremy, and Ben. We're going to be covering uh, best and worst financial decisions since Trump has been in office. As always, we've got our six in the mix trivia. One hot topic is big tech and them shutting down some stories they don't really approve of. We've got calling your shot. The feel-good story of the week, and we'll close out with Fix Your Eyes, and Ryan will lead us in that. So going to turn it over to Ryan to talk about the first topic. Yeah, so obviously 2020 has been quite a challenging year for for many families across the country, and, and I know we like to open the show up and talk topics specific to families and, and maybe hopefully learn and grow from each other. So I thought, well, hey, let's talk about what has been your best financial decision or your worst financial decision. Maybe it's happened this year. Uh, during the pandemic, I know a lot of Americans have been dealt some some crazy hands in terms of employment and, and different areas of finances that have been impacted because of the, the, the coronavirus. And so I thought, well, maybe if we could just share we've experienced this year or maybe going back four years and hopefully iron sharpens iron here a little bit. And uh, so I, I'll, I'll start us off and just get the ball rolling here. For us this year, watching finances, one of the things that I, I noticed a few months ago is that interest rates were, were really really low. And uh, we've been in our house now for just over three years. And so what we did is we refinanced. So we were able to go from a uh, 4.125% mortgage rate down to a 2.85% mortgage rate, which uh, really has saved a good chunk of money each month. And trying to, the, the one area with refinancing that I, th- I thought was going to be kind of a bummer is that I was going to lose the years that I've paid already on my other mortgage. So what I did is I went and looked at okay, how much more could I pay each year to get me back to more of a 27-year plan instead of starting over with a 30-year plan? And so finding out that I could just change from instead of paying once a month, paying bi-weekly, in essence, that's going to have two extra almost half-month payments over the course of the year. And that's going to take me right back down to get on that 27-year plan. So I really haven't lost much in terms of the the progress I've made year-wise. That's been a big blessing for us. And I I'm, I'm really thankful that rates dropped that low and certainly being able to save that kind of money is going to go a long way, especially as the girls get older. As far as worst financial decision made, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say this one's on Aaron. So Aaron um, had needed a root canal and uh, a crown. And so that that ran two or three grand. So th- there goes my refinancing savings. And if I could have done that over 
again, I would have had her just had the tooth pulled and then that would have been $200 instead of two to three grand. <laughs> now, I did I did the same thing a few years ago. I, I, I was faced with the decision, hey, you've got an issue that's going into, it's decaying into your does, gum. Does Aaron get a say on this? I was just going to say, just... I mean, this is... Nope, nope. <laughs> oh, come on, it's just, I, I know it's just hindsight 2020, but I, I had the same decision. I, I've got a missing tooth back here because when I heard, hey, a crown and root canal is going to be three grand versus $200 and that might only last 15 years, I said, easy choice, easy choice. All, you take the tooth out. And so that that's what I wanted to share for best and worst financial decisions this year for us. Well, Ryan, I will say Aaron was worth every penny that you allowed to be spent for her root canal. So I don't, I hope she listens back to this and yeah, I hope it's going to come back to bite you in the life podcast, the man. <laughs> the life podcast, you are done. You're done. <laughs> That is very possible. That is very possible. But hey, that, that's just one man's opinion. I'm not saying my opinion's right, but just looking back, uh, could we have saved more for college this year? I think we could have. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right. I, I see the point. And besides, I will say firsthand testimony, it is tougher to chew on this side of my mouth now. I mean, this is my second biggest tooth missing back there. So I, it has become a choke hazard and I certainly don't want Aaron to choke. That is that is for sure. So in a sense, I am really glad she did what she did. We could fashion like one of those wooden George Washington tooth and just pound it in there for you. If you want to come over one of these nights, we can do that. I will keep you posted. If I have any more choking scares, I will, I will be on the horn with you. <laughs> who, who else, who else has some wisdom to share? Uh, I, I think I went the opposite from wisdom with my last, my last scenario, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. So my wife actually had some significant work done on her teeth this year. And I would actually categorize that in the best, probably one of the best financial decisions significant though right even with insurance boy uh, some of that uh, work on the teeth is just is just a lot but she she was she was needing to do that for a while and so you know just kind of planning that out and then you know her summoning up the bravery that's not her favorite place to be that's certainly one of the it wasn't one I was going to bring up but since Ryan you mentioned uh, Aaron and Casey kind of had that same thing done a couple different procedures over the course of this year. And so I think, you know, looking back, you know, we've been in Ohio for nine years and we rented for six of those years. And you know, without going into a lot of detail, we had a kind of a poor finish to the the rental house. We had kind of like a mold situation in the in the previous rental house. And so I think our decision to buy back in 2017 was good in our neighborhood, at least uh, home prices have skyrocketed since then. And so uh, certainly a good investment there and grateful for that. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, I'll say that, you know, when we had COVID hit us, we were we were a little nervous just because I know that uh, for Jen's Jen's job, uh, she had to take a pay cut. We got to start watching what we're spending our money on more carefully, especially now. But through that, it seemed pretty crazy because, you know, we're in COVID, right? We're, sh- we're in shutdown mode. We aren't spending money on anything. So we actually are we're saving more money. And because of that, we were able to do a lot of stuff on our house. Jen took on the project, started working on the bathroom, our bathroom upstairs. And she did a fantastic job. She probably would never have thought about doing it, you know, had she not been home looking at it, you know, for all this time. So she finally did it. And it turned into a bigger project than we thought, but we were able to complete that. And then also had enough money to update our upstairs. We put in hardwood floors upstairs and they just finished that while we were away this past week. Oh man, it looks 
amazing. We, I, I can't believe we waited this long to do it, but man, it looks awesome. So, I mean, we got some house projects done. It kind of was tough because we were both home and there was some overlap. We were, me and Jen were working and they were working. So that didn't really go that well, but we were able to get out of the house for a couple of days, go down to Branson and they were able to complete the, the floors upstairs and it looks great. I mean, just through this whole COVID thing, I think we, I don't think we would have done that if we hadn't had to spend any money because we weren't going anywhere. So we were saving all this money and then we had extra money to, to spend on the house. So, so that was probably our, our story for the, for 2020 at least. So because of the lockdowns, you guys have been able to save a lot of money, even though you've had a slight reduction in pay then, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And because of that, my kids have been able to make some money off of grandma and grandpa. And I've got to say the worst financial decision was done by my youngest who decided to buy two swords. Yeah. Real <laughs> swords from Amazon. Oh, These swords are not like $50 worth. These are a couple hundred dollars worth of money for the swords. And, and these are like Lord of the Rings swords. <laughs> And they are amazing. We got I, she, the second one we bought, she bought, and, and you know these swords are real. I mean, they are are authentic, real steel. Of course, they're not sharpened, but they're but you can sharpen them if you want to. But these things, she's got Legolas's swords up in her bedroom, and then she bought some other one that's like it's a good size. I mean, it's a it's a hefty, hefty sword. It was like it was awesome. And so I was like, oh no, this is not going in your room. This is going in our family room. I'm hanging this thing up. <laughs> and uh, oh, it looks it is it is stunning, but total waste of money. But who cares? I was like, it looked it looked amazing. So I've got to say, at least that's the. Poor financial decisions with two hundred twenty. Quick question for you. Just going back, and I, I'm sure Ryan could certainly ask the same question with his Lord of the Rings, you know, deep understanding too. But I could have sworn that Legolas was uh, Archer. Oh yeah, not you're a, right. Not a, well, not a swordsman. Was it Legolas? It, it's, it's one of those ones with two swords. I mean, like he like takes out two swords. I don't know. He's got like there's one. Maybe it's not Legolas. You're right. That was the king, wasn't was it? The king. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Boy, she'd probably be roll. She's rolling her eyes at me right now. I can just feel it. But, <laughs> embarrassing. Awesome. Maybe you're, yeah, you're right. Maybe that is right. That does sound right. Whoever the king guy is, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're suppressing memories now, Ryan. Indeed, indeed. It was traumatic. I mean, I, I tried to, I tried to get all that out of my uh, head. So, uh, good living. All right. Anybody else have any, uh, any wisdom for the group? Yeah, I think both Matt and Brian kind of hit on my our area as well with home ownership and mortgage things. We're working on a refinance right now, but we were fortunate a few years ago when we purchased our current home to find a foreclosure that was in pretty decent shape. So we were able to purchase it well below market value and. In our area here, home prices have certainly gone up and values have gone up. So it's been a good investment for us. So that's a a good thing for us. I think for our, you know, maybe not quite as wise decisions. It seems like we've found ourselves now trying to, if there's an item we need, we'd rather save up a little longer and buy the higher quality version of that item, whatever it is. seems like when we buy the junky version, it just breaks in a few weeks or a couple months, whatever the lifespan of it is, it's much shorter than the more quality versions of, of whatever we're buying. So that's when we're able to afford it, that's what we try to do. But we've been very blessed this year in 2020, both my wife and I, we haven't had to do any sort of wage reduction at work or anything. So we've been able to, like Don said, when we haven't had the 
entertainment outlets or other things to go and do, we've actually been able to put away a little bit of money too. So it's overall, we've been very fortunate in this year of uncertainty to feel not quite as uncertain as I'm sure lots of other people are feeling. That's, that's good. And yeah, since Ben and I live in the same area, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, our home values where the rest of you live, are they, are, are they going up yet or have you seen any decrease in market value? No, for us, they've gone up extensively. And um, I think all of us are kind of on the same idea here with, you know, homes and different things. I guess for us, one of the most interesting things that has happened is that my wife and I, about a year and a half ago, decided to buy a house that we really probably financially couldn't really swing or or make, except for the fact that I own two other homes that I'm able to uh, draw rental income from. And uh, so I've kind of worked my way into the real estate thing and been able to pay off one of those homes already. And then just about done with a second one has given us the leverage to be able to buy the the house that we're in, uh, which affords us a lot more space for our family that was desperately needed. And so my wife kind of gave me an ultimatum. You got two years <laughs> with all these kids. We need we need space. And uh, we were living in a pretty big house, but it, w- it wasn't in a, a really a great spot because we didn't have a backyard. We didn't really have any space to spread out in our neighborhood. It was just kind of really locked in. God really opened that door for us a, a bit a year and a half ago, we were able to, to purchase a, a home out in the country. It's only still about 12 minutes uh, to my work. And so it is not far at all. And it is just exactly what we were looking for. So for us, one of the decisions was, do we sell the other two homes and just pay for this one? And if we do that, then guaranteed we weren't going to have time to actually buy the house. We, were, we, we would have lost it because the market is so hot right now. So I decided to just keep them and rent them. And I've had very, very good success. I was a little bit curious uh, because of COVID, um, because of some of the things that have been issued to landlords where, you know, you can't really evict, you can't do anything like that during this time, especially if unemployment is part of that. So that was concerning to me, but um, we've had people who have been able to sustain their or keep their jobs and sustain their work. And so that's been just been a huge blessing for us. So we haven't really had to, to worry too much about that. And uh, our investments there are going up. I think probably the worst decision financially for us, or maybe the hardest thing for us to do but I've I've kept doing it is we uh, we used to have a business up in northern Wisconsin we had a little park model up there and a little resort basically a, a single wide trailer basically and uh, it's in a little resort area with all kinds of fun stuff to do and it really makes absolutely zero sense for us to keep that as a family uh, because the HOA fees and some of the things that that um, are part of that however all that said with the money that we spent which is less than what you spent with your uh, wife's teeth there. It allows our family a spot literally to go in the summer. Um, We can take a a Friday afternoon, go up there Friday afternoon and come back home Saturday or stay up Sunday or go the first part of the week when we can arrange that and just hang out as a family and swim, go to the beach and just really hang out. So it doesn't make much financial sense for us to do that because really we don't belong doing that. I should be saving that money and doing something like, you know, putting it towards my kid's college. However, (laughs) it has been such a blessing to be able to get out the sight of people 
and uh, just kind of disappear for a while and just just be a family, not in the fishbowl for a while. That has made a huge difference. So it doesn't make too much financial sense. So on that on that respect, I guess it's there. But there is the, the added blessing of being able to do something with our family. So that's where we're at. Sounds like we've got a lot of similar themes between teeth and uh, staying home, saving money and real estate decisions. I think uh, we've got some general themes working here. So we're good. Uh, turn it back over to Matt here for our next segment. Let's cue it up. Six in the mix trivia. We got some good stuff here, gang. Uh, we've got a Bible trivia question, and then we've got a we've got a song. So, as always, your name is your buzzer, and we will get into the Bible trivia. Does anybody besides Brian have a chance at answering this Bible trivia question? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm disappointed that Ethan's not on. <laughs> Great! Come on, Don. Not we that, can do it. Not, that's it. That's it. Yeah, summon all your. Your Sunday school knowledge. Let's let's get after it. Hey, last time I checked, we all went to a Bible college, didn't we? I mean, we all are equally blessed with our educational experience. <laughs> My Bible major is. I'm just terrible. I, I can't remember a thing. Well, it's, yeah, it's Ryan's terrible experience. <laughs> pushes him over the finish line here. That's right. It's not like he was making it to class every day for these, these in college. Come on. this. Is- <laughs> I, I only remember taking one cut. A- Adam Taylor and I went to Burger King for a breakfast one day. That's the only cut I remember taking. I, Whatever. I could be you, how many times did you oversleep? How many times were you sitting in your room hunkered over? your little Sega Genesis punching in cheat codes to beat some freshmen. We're putting back the furniture that Matt had overthrown at ping pong at 2 a.m. <laughs> that's more That's more like it. Yeah, we expended a lot of energy. We needed to get uh, get our rest. I'm pretty sure that you had to iron all the clothing that John Calcamugio <laughs> yeah. shoved into one corner on that one night. Uh, yeah, that, took a, sure. that took a while. Yeah, yep, that might have been another cut. That's a good point. <laughs> all right. Bible trivia question. Here we go. AVB sang a great song called We Will Not Serve Your Gods, telling the story of the stunning bravery and faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these were their Babylonian names. What were their Hebrew names? Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That be correct. All right. You got uh, you got the money on that one. Can I get you to sing that song for us? Can we get a few lines from that AVB song? It's one of my favorites. Oh, that, that, that's a good one. Does anybody else know this one? I don't. Oh, yeah, it's great. You, you got to check it out. Look it up on YouTube or something. But uh, we will not serve your gods. Jehovah is our king. Nebuchadnezzar had built him an idol of gold. It was 90 feet high. It was nine feet wide. <laughs> oh, it's a great. It's, it's just one of those great story songs. So love it. Um, you got to you got to check it out. It's got a nice beat to it. It's 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 solid. Ryan, I think I'm pretty sure they sang that when we went to that one college days. Remember when we went to that AVB concert and like we were the only two that knew any of the AVB songs. We were going nuts. All the other kids are like, well, what's this group, man? Like, This is the greatest group of all time. You guys don't understand. Well, well, I, I wouldn't say we were both going nuts. I think one of us went down to the mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is true. We had, a, we had a good time. Had a good time. Anyway, that's a great song. Oh. Now moving on to the uh, moving on to the music trivia again. Name is your buzzer, and here we go. 
by step, Rich Mullins. Yeah, sometimes known as step by step. Yeah, I was going to say step by step. But in in the parentheses, it's uh, sometimes a step. I I didn't recognize the start of it. I I needed needed the lyrics. Oh, so close to heaven. I thought it was. I thought the begin when I heard the beginning, I thought I was gonna have to say like Becky Snow, <laughs> circa nineteen ninety nine Pillsbury College in the gymnasium concert. <laughs> Jeff Rail for another Mac Lynch song, huh? <laughs> oh, another Mac Lynch hit. <laughs> oh, I can only hope. I can only. Hope. Oh, yeah, this, this was actually I picked the live version just to try to you know maybe throw it off just a little bit, but uh, yeah, it actually. This was one of my favorite songs singing when I was in the youth group. So, quick question for you guys: What was what was one of your favorite songs to sing back when you guys were in youth group? I still remember singing "Awesome God" all the time. I was going to say that too, time. Jeremy. Actually, we another Rich Mullins, right? I don't. We couldn't sing those songs in youth group. What do you? Were you? Did you sing those songs? Exactly. Exactly, Don. <laughs> Don, you, you know, you know, you you stayed real conservative, but once me and my class came up, you know, we kind of broke the mold and we said, "No, we're bringing." In the guitars, we're bringing in, Man. we're bringing in the uh, contemporary Christian music, much to the chagrin of the deacons. Um, but we we busted it out. Yeah, <laughs> and WCTS leadership. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm with Don. My, I don't think youth group wise, I have memories. I have some camp memories. We used to sing some cool yeah, songs camp, out camp there. Would be but, fine too. Yeah. Do you, do you guys ever sing the Hornet song? I used to love that song. That was a great one. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Do you remember was, it, Don? I think that was probably even more. Why? Why does? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. How does that go, right? He does not compel us to go. No, no. 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 He does not compel us to go. No, oh, no. no. Yeah. I mean, uh, it would get the crowd riled up. Oh, yeah. It was we great. Got we got that place rocking. Without did me. you go to the mosh pit for that one? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I, I started a mosh pit on that song for sure. <laughs> the craziest I remember it getting was when Evangelist, what was that guy? Steve Schwenke? Was that was the name? Steve Schwenke brought his, uh, what is that? What is that instrument called with the piano on the put on your chest and you crank it in Harps, and out? Or, uh, an accordion. Uh, yeah. The no, accordion. Uh, yeah, the accordion. Yeah, the accordion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you guys remember the name Evangelist Steve Schwenke? Does that yeah. who? No, I remember it. I remember it. I know was it, or is it somebody else? Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he could play the mess out of that oh, accordion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, he could just kill it with that. We were like, oh my goodness, can we do this? <laughs> Is that like an Oktoberfest thing or what? Then? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, Beth. <laughs> oh yeah, we did this at uh, summer camp up in Camp Clear Waters, the coolest that's place. Right. Camp Clear Waters where poison ivy grows. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's as, that's as far. I mean, yeah, we were not singing uh, Pharaoh Pharaoh or anything like that. We couldn't sing. <laughs> Let my people go. Yeah, that was that was not happening. All righty, well, good. You know, trivia again. Uh, hats off to Ryan. Uh, I got. I guess I got to do more homework uh, next Sunday. It's a nice job. You took the sweep. I'm going to turn over to Don for the next topic. All right, gentlemen. Big tech made its presence known and actually shut down a story that was put out by the New York Post. And this was all erupting. We were on our way back from Branson. And man, let me tell you, I was fired up. In fact, I think we made it back in record time. I was so fired up. I mean, we might have to have a dump button on this podcast right now. So be ready. I might swear. I might lose my testimony. Uh, how do I even begin that this topic? I mean, I am literally shaking, but we're going to go for it because I got like six cups of coffee in me. 
What if I told you guys we took a trip back to 2015 and your captain is waxing eloquent on the pitfalls of the Supreme Court's decision to legalize same-sex marriage? And I was going bonkers. I would say how the world was going to end. And then also, by the way, we would have to prepare for another presidential election in a few months that would lead to the criminal Hillary Clinton becoming president. Then... I would fast forward to five years. I'd say, okay, gentlemen, in 2020, I'm going to predict that there's going to be historical civil unrest. There's going to be rioting in the streets. There's going to be media censorship. Church attendance is going to be capped because of a global pandemic. And the president of the United States will be compared to Hitler. And you probably may have thought Hillary's in charge. What were you expecting? I'm going to say there is a far-reaching and much more sinister power at work that is undermining our democracy as we know it. They have been patiently waging a war within the confines of our borders for decades, operating right under our noses, brazen enough to not even bother to conduct their business in the shadows, using the very freedoms we claim that separate us from all other countries to slowly dismantle all that we have taken for granted. Now, I was debating on mentioning how I really feel about this. And when you asked if anybody wanted to take the lead on this, I was like, yep, let's do it. I'm going to pour it all out there. And I don't want to regret not saying it after this all goes down on election night. I want to get it out there and I want you guys to hold me accountable. I want you guys to tell me in February that I was a complete loon. I hope that you tell me that. But unfortunately, I think this is the way it's going to go down. I don't have time to go into detail to everything that I've been researching. But over the next couple of weeks following the election, you are going to hear words like revolution, civil society. You're going to hear about a cast of characters like Colonel Vindman, Michael McFall, Rosa Brooks, Norm Eisen, just to name a few. You're also going to hear about groups called the Transition Integrity Project, who are former government officials, journalists, senior campaign managers that all met this past June to war game the upcoming November 3rd election. Other groups, you're going to hear about NGOs. They're called non-governmental organizations. They are actually formed by our government working in tandem with George Soros. You know that name, the socialist with mountains of cash, who is, in my opinion, is the evil overlord of the deep state. His groups are funded by my tax dollars and your tax dollars. I'm going to post a ton of links for you guys in the podcast description so you and the listeners can, in fact, check me and my research on this and be prepared because you are going to come across names like Glenn Beck. And when you see that name and all the conspiracy theories that are tied to him, you cannot say that that guy does not do his research though. And I hope that he's wrong because some of this is his research that I tapped into. I want you to Google the democracy playbook, preventing and reversing Democrat backsliding. It was published in 2019 of November and it's available right online. And it's basically a blueprint of how to conduct a revolution to overthrow governments. And it has already been tested. It's already been refined. They're working on it already. And it's been used most recently in the Ukraine and Russia. And in your research, you also might stumble upon something called the seven pillars of color revolution. Now, again, I'm not going to go into detail on all this. We don't have the time, but there are going to be things that are going to blow your mind because these seven things are being done and are being followed 
just a couple of them. All right. Unpopular president, a united and organized opposition. We call it probably an Antifa. Let's be honest. An effective system to convince early voter fraud. Yeah, that's part of the seven pillars. I'm saying this all because it relates to what just happened with Twitter and Facebook and the illegal steps they took to censor and disable New York Post journalists from posting on their platforms an article accusing the former vice president of lying and accepting money from a foreign company so that the vice president at the time could use his influence to improve Burisma Holdings Financial Group, their standing to make an unwanted investigation go away. Now, how did Vice President Biden at the time make it go away? By withholding $1 billion in aid from Ukraine until they fired their prosecutor, Victor Shokin. In return, Vice President Biden and his son Hunter pocketed millions of dollars from Burisma for their quote unquote influence. Now, as you're listening to this podcast, by now, the China connections have been already made to Biden. And the media is either ignoring it or they've received their talking points from the Biden campaign. And it's coming up with a litany of excuses on how this just magically fell into Rudy Giuliani's laps before the election. And there's nothing to see here. Now, one of democracy's pillars that the United States stands on is the freedom of speech. You can't have a democracy without freedom of speech. Well, this latest example of the story being censored isn't the first time this has happened. And it's not going to be the last. They have been doing this for years. Ironically, we just mentioned Cheryl Atkinson, who just followed us on our Twitter, by the way, at Six in the Mix Pod. She has been on the front lines of this for years. And if you're not familiar with her work, she is a five-time Emmy award-winning journalist and while working for CBS, broke the news about Fast and Furious. And in 2014, she wrote a book called Stonewalled that details out the methods that the Obama administration used to harass, obstruct, and intimidate her. The story is straight out of a Vince Flynn novel, but unfortunately, it's not fiction. And it's her case that is currently in the courts is never going to see the light of day because it's going to be tied up there forever. On election night in the next couple of weeks and the following days, I predict we're not going to see a winner declared unless Trump wins handily, which may occur as more information of this story and its unprecedented information comes out. Regardless, I pray, I pray it doesn't turn violent in the streets. I pray reason, truth and sanity return to the forefront of our social and political leaders mouths. This is no time for we the people to stand down and watch our nation be torn apart by an evil that is desperate and consumed with power. I hope you all realize now, it does not matter who the president of the United States is. Their agenda will continue regardless. They will continue to lie and continue to misinform until we decide on our own who and what the real evil is. Now, my family and I, we just returned from Branson, Missouri, and we saw Sight and Sound's presentation of Noah before the flood, before God poured out his wrath on this world, the people continued about their business as if nothing was wrong. They witnessed all the evil and the corruption going on. They were just turning a blind eye. And then in an instant, just like that, the earth and the heavens opened up and this world changed forever. I thank God for rainbows, but this does not mean he can teach us another way. And I just pray for mercy that we don't ultimately get what we deserve. Mike, that's <laughs> I got nothing because that was the most epic intro of any topic I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Dr. Don, I'm getting ready for what's coming. 
And I hope you guys are too. Okay. So, so Don, help, help me with this. Okay. So the FCC commissioner says that they overstepped their bounds or maybe I, I forget if that was the actual term or across the line or something like that. Right. So how do all these people in these high places, if they're stuck, if they can't make decisions or say something and then have everybody follow them, because there's obviously huge current underneath what everybody sees and we all know it's there. We just don't know how hard or how strong or where it's going to flesh out. What do people do when there are people you know, in high places that will have to have some accountability for these high tech companies who are censoring things? Who gets in trouble? I mean, I, is it on Wednesday that they're coming to speak on, on the Hill about this or something like that? What? What happens with this? Yeah, I know that they have asked the executive. I mean, Facebook Twitter. and Twitter are going to be there. Yep, they're going to be there. And I'm telling you right now, they better have a meeting on Monday in the Oval Office and ask the FBI why they have been sitting on this for months. Because that's exactly what they have been doing. If they had not been sitting on this for months, then we would not have had to go through impeachment hearings. We could have been concentrating our efforts more on getting ready for COVID. Are you kidding me? Hello, is this thing on? Who's, who's the name of the guy at the FBI? Christopher Ray. If Ray. that guy does not have a good reason why he kept this and did not let the president know about this, <laughs> what what are they doing? They're in on it too, and as if that's a big surprise to anybody. That's how corrupt, that's how disgusting this is. So Don, what you're saying is the topic is big tech and what they've done this week, but you're saying that is only a small symptom or one small apparatus of a larger scheme that's going on that's ultimately going to lead to societal chaos. Is that right? Exactly. This is a socialist scheme that is looking to infiltrate far more than that are just our government. And it's already it's already it's already been done. It's already started. I mean, these steps that have to be in place for them to do this, this has already been planned out, right? you. They've done this in the Ukraine. They've done this in Russia. They actually are going to start preventing people from from thinking that our election was illegitimate. They're going to start placing into our minds, if if, if Trump does happen to win, you wait and see. They're going to say the election is not relevant, was a scam, there's fraud everywhere, and they're going to go to the streets. It's going to be chaos. They've got all of Hollywood. Where have they been for for all these months? You're going to hear from them pretty soon. I'm telling you that because they got them all lined up ready to hear from all those folks about how illegitimate Donald Trump is and everything just needs to be done and changed. Even with the police, right? We are trying to doubt our, our police. It's all part of the agenda in my mind. You want to take away the legitimacy of the police departments across the nation? Oh, go ahead. Try and do, let's do that. Let's add that to the list because that's what they're doing. What does our government look like in April of 2021? I don't know. I hope in February, you guys, again, like I said, are calling me a complete loon for buying into all this. But the way it's working out is it's it's scary times. I hope you guys have plans in place during the election, after the election, if need be. God God forbid it happens. I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I. I'm a little nervous being this close to Minneapolis and what it's going to look like. I mean, when the riots were going on earlier in the summer, it started hitting home. It's been fuel to the fire and it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Boy, obviously, Don, you've done a lot of you know, research into that. I, I've been watching a lot more politics stuff and trying to share a little bit you know, with the family, just trying to help them open their eyes. I've gotten to the point where I, I can't even watch some of the liberal candidates anymore. I can't even watch it. I'm so fired up and frustrated and it's just... The sheer acceptance that what they say is gospel, Mm -hmm. what they say is gospel and anybody who comes up against them is 
a racist, is a bigot, is not intellectual. Like it's <laughs> what? Why can't we have two people that are thinking on both sides? They may not agree at the end of the day, but why do we have to demean everybody instead of like let's talk about thoughts and really flesh them out? You can't do that anymore. You can't even have a, a reasonable discourse and dialogue and debate on something because no one wants to engage in that. They just want to jump to oh you're biased, you're racist, you're this, you're that. I'm right, you're wrong. It's just like I'm not even sure how to contend in this world. Mm-hmm. Right. As far as that goes, you know, I, I, so I think you're right, Don. You're, you're just a lot more into it right now than I am. And I appreciate you sounding the alarm. Take a look at what Amy Coney Barrett uh, was going through this week. They literally changed the meaning of a word overnight. Sexual yeah. preference is now considered offensive. Offensive. Yeah. Sexual preference it's it's unbelievable unbelievable i mean i understand where you're going with that whole thing and in in many points uh are are well taken it's very sobering one of the things that i have been praying and thinking along these lines is that god has somehow uniquely equipped and i think specifically even right here the six of us with our homes with our children and our churches that even though we are in a foreign land so to speak because this isn't our eternal home but while we're here we're to occupy, we are to have kids, we're to have families, we're to go against some of these thought processes, especially when it comes against the moorings of, of our foundational truth in the Bible and, and God's word. We're the remnant. I mean, there is just a small fraction of people that believe in God's truth and believe in these things. And then, of course, we're going to become a huge target. And there already is a target on on the backs of, of churches and other things. We've seen that, as you've mentioned in your dialogue there, um, where where all of a sudden people who go to church are, are you know, should be questioned and, and arrested or and if not worse. But I have I have some some faith in the fact that God has has gifted us the ability to remain and occupy until he comes back. And it's going to get tough. And we're never promised. We have to me, we've been so lulled to sleep with the American dream and have it all and have all these pleasures where it's not not really that way. In in most of history, there is contention, there's war, there's fighting for every step you make. And then there's slavery and there's bondage and there's usurping of whole kingdoms or, or nations uh, by other powers. So we should expect that that's going to happen. And um, you're right, we need to gear up. But I think we need to gear up spiritually so that we have the the character to be able to stand up for what God God says. And and um, God give us the strength to stand up physically too. When it, when not if, when it comes to that. And uh, my fear is for my children, to be honest with you, uh, in their lives, because I think that's going to be a reality for them. I pray for them deeply. Well said on all accounts, Don. I was taking in uh, Francis Chan at uh, Bedside Baptist Church this morning, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, Francis Chan was talking about how God has given us the ability to plant. And he was talking about the people in Noah's time and how they just let it happen. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're just letting these lies, we're letting it happen. Where are the people, where are the political leaders? And I know that we shouldn't be looking to our political or our government to lead us. But at some point, we put our government in charge of some type of morality. We ask them to stand for abortion. We ask them to discipline murder. We ask them to morally make decisions and pass laws. And yet here we are just watching them step all over our freedoms and lie to us like we're idiots. And we just watch it. Don, are you saying that because of the mask mandate? (laughs) (laughs) Screw your mask. I am taking it off. It's the end of the world as we know.
telling you, when we were down in Branson, uh, the state of, I think it was the state of Missouri does not have a mask mandate. So being oh, able to wow. go going into a gas station without a mask, if my kids and I are walking into come and go on I-35 and we're like, yeah, let's get it on. Let's <laughs> We're going to a gas station, taking our mask off. Yeah, it was fun. But. Well, man, that uh, that was a that was a solid and deep topic, Don. Thanks for challenging us. Yeah, some great points, Jeremy, as well, to kind of yeah help us walk through these intense times. Yeah, we should not be lulled to sleep at all. So, and I challenge you guys. I challenge you guys. Look into this, please. Look into this. Um, I'll I'll post the I'll post the links and stuff like that when because I don't want to plagiarizing anything. Like, so I'm going to post these links. Make sure that you guys have this information and everybody that's listening has this information because this is important stuff. This is going to affect a lot of people and could possibly be a turning point for America. Ryan, why don't you uh, take us into calling your shot? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I just want to give a warning to Don. Don, this week, whatever you do, do not have lunch with Kenny, okay? (laughs) Make sure you avoid that lunch date if it comes up. So for calling your shot this week, sometimes we like to make predictions. Sometimes we just like to call our shot as to what our favorite thing is regarding different facets of life. So we've done movies and we've done books. Tonight, I thought it'd be kind of fun if we could just talk about a topic that many people love talking about, which is pizza. Hard to transition from uh, the end of the United States into pizza, but we're going to attempt to do that. I guess what I'm hoping we can do, you can you can cite the, the restaurant, you can cite the, uh, the type of pizza, you can even get into the type of crust, whatever you have. And again, as always, I'm always interested to see if if any of us share the same same favorites. We have not been too successful with some of the other, uh, whether it be books or movies. So let's let's get started. My favorite pizza is Ben. Since you live in town with me, you you may have had it. I'm not sure if this if this uh, restaurant, this chain, is where the other guys are. But we used to have it. It actually left this year, 2020. We've seen some restaurants close down, but here in town there is a place called. Valentino's and Valentino's had a pizza called bacon cheeseburger. And I don't know, Ben, if you've ever had that or not at Valentino's, but oh my goodness. I mean, I do like burgers and I think they had pickles on there, which some people could take or leave, but they had some type of secret sauce in there that gave it this sweet, sweet taste that was just absolutely delicious. So I'm I'm sad to see that uh, my favorite pizza is no longer available here in town, but I would say Valentino's bacon cheeseburger pizza would be my choice for favorite pizza. So Jeremy, how about you? Yeah. So I just like maybe a month ago, I went uh, flying with my friend. He's a pilot and he's got a little, uh, he he belongs to a flying club and uh, he took me up in his plane and he took my sons and I over our house and we took pictures and it was great. We landed back only about two hours hours worth of flying and then came back. And as we were driving back to our house, he's like, oh, hey, have you ever gone to this place called Poco Pizza? And I said, no. He's like... It's right there at that farm. There's no, there's like a tiny little, it's a, it's, it's a sign that's as big as a license plate. It just says Poco Pizza on it. That's it. P-O-C-O Pizza. And he's like, you got to come over here. So he pulls around, pulls a Yui. We go into this Poco Pizza and it's at this guy's farm and he's just got a little restaurant uh, or a storefront there, which they had to shut down because of COVID stuff, but he, he can still um, deliver out this window. And he's like, now I'm going to buy you this pizza and it will be your favorite pizza. And I, I'm always a little skeptical. He bought me a pizza called Cherry Pulled Pork Pizza. 
You can go on their website and you can look at this thing. And I'm telling you what, I bit into that thing and they take cherries from the from the local growers and they put it on there and all the ingredients come from their farm. It's got sausage, onion, cherries, and pulled pork and a little bit of barbecue. And I am telling you, you bite into this thing. And I mean, it's kind of like what you said. You bite into that, you know, that, the pizza of your choice and it's just like it melts in your mouth. This pizza is absolutely to die for delicious. I could not believe it. I'm like, cherries, really? I'm not a big cherry fan. I bit into this thing. I eat the whole pizza. The entire thing was mine. I had two of them. I ate one by myself. It was fantastic. Poco pizza, hands down, cherry pulled pork. This is life-changing. I need this pizza. But where can I get this? Can I get it delivered to my house? Yes, I'm looking at it all pizzas they'll freeze them and send them to you they do and they they cocopizza.com shut the front they, door they i have got me. <laughs> all right i'll let, let me do this i'll send you guys i'll send you guys a pizza okay we'll send you a pie listen here's the deal i'm going to try to get this guy to subscribe to our podcast and i'm going to give him some free promo see if he'll throw me some free pizzas out there we'll dish them out to you guys and uh, you guys judge for yourself and then we'll come back and do another segment about poco's pizza all right do you, need my Do you need my address? Do you need my address? Well, yeah, I got I got your stuff. So we'll we'll get it offline again, and then we'll make sure it happens. And I'll go out there. I'll go out because I got to go buy some more pizzas. And he's only open like on on Saturdays, or he has been. Of course he is. Yeah, he's only open Saturdays. Why not? I'm telling you. And there's a line. There's lines of people. I can't believe it. I never knew well, this place existed. Well, how about this? Let's we'll order the pizza, get it all shipped to each of us, and have a Zoom pizza party. Well, for the go. end of the world party on november 3rd John. <laughs> that, that would be it that's it <laughs> no, that's, the, that's the best thing you've said all year <laughs> that'll ease the pain of destruction a little bit while the streets are burning i'll be joy enjoying some poco pizza <laughs> <laughs> Will not regret it. Our first sponsor, I like it. Oh, yeah, we man. can just we can do it live. You guys, can just, you guys can all just come here and we'll we'll uh, we'll host you all, and then you get we'll we'll just do a couple nights of pizzas. It'll be great. I'm, I'm getting. I'm sounds sounds good. Thanks, thanks, Jeremy. That you, you certainly made a great pitch for that pizza. How about Don? Don, I know you're thinking pulled pork and cherries right now, but uh, I, do you have I, can, I can follow that up. But I've already got mine lined up and queued up, and I will say uh, we have uh, what we call jets pizza i know it's a franchise but i don't know if you guys have them down right that's here. good stuff uh, jets pizza barbecue chicken pizza hands down the best pizza i've ever had as far as delivery goes and we get it any chance we can my kids and i we love it um it's like a detroit style pizza i think it's technically what it is you know it's like that thick crust with barbecue chicken uh, I don't know what it is. So good. Oh, and you have to get the homemade ranch that the Jets Pizza creates. Uh, they have their own homemade ranch. And so when you order a Jets Pizza and you ask for barbecue chicken, you've got to ask for their ranch sauce. They'll give you a little container and bam, you dip that in there and it's it, it's heaven. Nice. Mm. Okay. Everybody's getting hungrier as this mm. podcast goes on. Let's throw it out to uh, our friend in Ohio there, Matt. Do you have uh, a unique uh, pizza place out there or are you choosing something more well-known? Yeah, it's interesting that when I when I was thinking of this, I was actually thinking thinking like toppings that I like on a pizza. So I, I like all different kinds of pizza, you know, or as far as pizza places go. So I don't really have a necessarily a favorite pizza place, but the toppings that I like, and again, this kind of goes back 
my folks always used to do pepperoni pizza with green olives. And and I found green olives are not a traditional topping you can get on. Yeah, most pizza places don't have green olives, but like I have green olives in my fridge. So whenever I do a frozen pizza, I'm I'm slicing up the green olives when they're going on there. But it's pepperoni, banana peppers, and green olives. Oh, good call. And I like a crispier crust. Uh, thicker is fine too. And it's it it's interesting. We I got reminded of how much I like Papa Murphy's. So no Papa Murphy's in Ohio. When we were down in Louisville, we had there was a Papa Murphy's and it was my daughter's birthday. So we got one of their stuffed pizzas where it's like a pizza within a pizza and like the works that, that was that was really good as well. So, yeah, I guess that that would be it for me. Not a place, but uh, just those three toppings on there. And I'm I'm down. I think I just threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> Which part was it? The olives or the banana peppers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's one of my favorite Don and pizza memories. They came down and worked an event for me, him and a couple other college buddies. And we were hangry one night late. So we decided to pick up a bunch of the little Totino's pizzas, you know, the real high caliber Totino's <laughs> yeah. pizzas. So we get that and we're just throwing all this stuff on top of it. And, you know, it's just the cheese pizza, but you put the mushrooms and the green olives and green peppers and all kinds of stuff. And then we have to make one that's fairly plain for Don because Don <laughs> likes, but as soon as it comes out of the oven, Don just throws it right in his mouth. Doesn't wait for it to cool off or nothing. Oh, no. And he's screaming because he just yeah. burned his mouth all to pieces. <laughs> anyway, one of my favorite Don yeah. pizza memories. Oh, you've got to let those things. I used to take those out of my pizza maker when Ethan and I were roommates and I'd put it in the freezer for like two minutes. They're so hot. Oh, yeah. I'll, so. ne- I'll never forget that because I was so hungry. I still remember how hungry I was. I had to eat it no matter how hot it was. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he'll also do the same thing with peanut butter Captain Crunch. He'll oh. eat it too fast and he'll just <laughs> scrape the roof of his mouth so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I will blow through it. A box of peanut butter crunch and Captain Crunch, and yeah, my mouth bleeding, and yeah, it'll just be a mess. It'll just be a big mess. Oh yeah, it's wow. so. So let me get this straight: a guy that eats pizza right out of the oven, a guy that has his mouth bleeds when he eats cereal, is talking to me about my pizza. I'll pass. Thanks. I think you just, I think you just confirmed that my pizza is pretty darn good, and you're a little bit screwed up with your, with your tastes. <laughs> oh man! I was just gonna. I thought Ben, you were gonna say when we when we threw on the sauerkraut on top of that. Uh, oh, now that now we're talking. Oh, oh I love the kraut. Nasty. I, t- I take the kraut <laughs> off the Rubens every time. Oh come on! <laughs> Pass, Ben. We uh we have yet to hear from you. I believe so. Yeah. So I would prefer that ninety five percent of my diet was pizza. So I hey, I like them all. I mean, if they just start say we're gonna. Order order pizza i'll just say order whatever you want because i'll eat it i like all of them uh, i have had the uh valentino's pizza ryan talked about that's really good but uh another place i like here is called mr pizza and they have a couple of my favorites they have a barbecue chicken so similar to don's and even jeremy with the barbecue the barbecue yeah. chicken at mr pizza is very good then they have another one that i often will get and it's named after one of the owners of the of the restaurant called Sharon's Favorite and it's beef, green pepper, mushroom, black olive, and extra cheese. And Ooh. it's really good. Ooh, I could roll so, with that. 
Man, yeah, those are a couple of my favorites. Yeah, good choice. I, I think I have had the barbecue chicken there, but I don't think we've tried the Sharon's favorite yet. But not too far from where we live, so good. All right, oh great, that was uh, that was a fun a fun pick me up after Don's uh, end of the world prophecy there. So all right, let's uh, let's turn it over now back to Ben. So Ben uh, closes us off with the pizza, and now to the feel good story. So feel good story of the week. So this one isn't a current event actually, but. It made me feel good this week. So I watched uh, for the first time, actually it was today, I watched the movie Remember the Titans with my two boys. And uh, there's nothing better than a feel-good sports movie, in my opinion. But we watched that movie today and it just, I, I really, it's such a good message of the story where, you know, people who at that time, so it's for anyone who may not recall, 1971 um, in Virginia, it was a, a segregated uh, all-white school and an all-black student body school merged together and then they had to merge their football team and all the other teams in the conference still played as all-white teams but this was the first team that had both black and white players on it and uh, it was it's a very good story they come together they form friendships of course it's stretched a little bit the way Hollywood can do that with movies. It's not exactly completely factual, but the, the basics of it are pretty accurate. And and so I've, I've done a little bit of looking around. One of the things I, I liked was um, actually within the last year, both of those coaches uh, have passed away. So it was uh, Herman Boone. Uh, he was the black coach and Bill Yost. He was the, the white coach. And one of the quotes I liked from Boone was he said, so it's Alexandria, Virginia. And he said it, it being that they had to merge a football team ended up being better for Alexandria than Brown versus the board. Uh, we, so the two coaches, Yost and Boone were as different as night and day, but he and I found a way to talk to each other and trust each other. And in the end, he was the best friend I ever had. And he said that just a few years uh, ago, you know, much later in life, decades after this has happened, but they'd been friends uh, for their whole, nearly their entire adult life. And so it, you know, Matt has referenced this and, and others too, just being able to have a conversation with someone from a different background and a different point of view and a different perspective, but finding those commonalities, finding a way to understand each other, know that we're both human and we can enjoy the things we have in common and, and just agree to disagree on other things. But in this case, from two, you know, different backgrounds, you know, in the seventies with the backdrop of everything going on at that time, but they found a way to talk to each other and and then trust each other. And in the end, became the best friend I ever had. I thought that was really cool. So that was a feel good thing for me, even though it's not uh, exactly from the last week of stories. But that's what I got. Good deal. That's uh, that's one of the greatest movies of all time and one of the greatest stories, too. So thanks for uh, thanks for drawing our attention back to that. So. All right. It's been a full podcast already. And uh, Ryan, you get to put the uh, the cherry pulled pork on the top of the Sunday, as it were. Yes. Well, fix your eyes. Good, good. And I've got my work cut out for me tonight. I've got to try to find our, our hope again. And after after Don's big tech discussion. And thankfully, we do have hope. I think the topic of this quick devotional is going to speak to glorifying God, who is our hope. And uh, three quick 
subpoints under that regarding how can our lives glorify God. So I want to look at a catechism. I want to look at the idea of an inverse relationship. And I want to look at some lyrics from our friend named Bebo. So first of all, if we all know the Westminster Catechism, if we if we don't, um, it, it simply states that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I think we'd all agree that we are on this earth to bring glory to our God. That is that is clear. And the Bible says, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Sometimes it's hard to picture what that looks like. How does that play out in our lives? And I think one of the one of the early identifiers of this was John the Baptist, which brings me to my second point. There's an inverse relationship here at play. And in John 3.30, John the Baptist notes that he, Christ, must increase and I must decrease. So while the Lord goes up in the view of others, hopefully through our lives, we and our ability to promote ourselves or glorify ourselves should be going down. Uh, We've seen a couple of examples, good and bad, in in the Old and New Testament, probably many examples. I just picked out a couple for this uh, short devotional tonight. But when I think of where did we see that done the wrong way, I I can't help but think of Nebuchadnezzar, who in Daniel 4, uh, verses 29 and 30, just talked about how he was the be-all and end-all, towering even over God in the way that he was ruling over the world. And certainly that is not the idea uh, of glorifying the Lord. That is glorifying self. And in one of the craziest stories of, of the of the prophets in terms of how the Lord dealt with some of the monarchs. We saw what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He was taught a, a harsh lesson by the Lord in becoming like an animal and learning true humility. In the end, he did glorify the Lord. And when we think about great examples, where do we see this played out? I couldn't help but think of our Lord himself, Christ, when he was on the earth. Of course, he wanted to do the, the will of him that sent him. He, he was out to bring glory to the Father in everything he did. This is spelled out in Philippians 2, the kenosis passage. Uh, where he came to serve and to bring glory to to the Father. And so he, in human form, serves as our example of what it looks like to glorify God. And so thinking about this catechism, thinking about this inverse relationship, brings me to my third point, which is a song. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but I, I love the lyrics of this song. And it, it helps me maybe in a better way, in a modern way, see how can my life glorify the Lord? And it, it's simply that. And the, the title of the song is Disappear. And so I just want to I want to share a few lyrics from this song uh, written by a guy named Bebo Norman. Um, I think it was popular around 2004, 2005. I really I really enjoyed listening to it. But in the second verse of the song, he says, I don't want to care about earthly things. Be caught up in all the lies, which Don has clearly referenced earlier tonight, that trick my eyes. And we know that Satan is out to do that. They say it's all about me. And doesn't that sound like 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Life. The world is out to help us make ourselves great, aren't they? I mean, they're 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 all in on that. And then the the lyric says, "I'm so tired of it being about me." And on to the chorus, he says, "I want to hide in you the way, the life, the truth." There's John 14:6 there, so I can disappear. And love is all there is to see coming out of me, and you become clear as I disappear. And so for me, I I, I almost feel the pain that that Bebo is expressing in the song that you know. If it's about me, that can't be. You might as well just get me off of the picture. My my goal, my purpose, this is also the Apostle Paul's purpose. This was Christ's purpose. I want to glorify the one who sent me. And so 
So our lives should point to him and hopefully we reflect Christ as we bring glory to him in the way we live. And he closes out uh, one of the songs, one of the verses in the songs. Maybe this is the bridge of the song. He said, I would rather be cast away, separated from the human race if I don't bring you glory. And uh, hopefully that is the desire of our hearts. Certainly the desire of my heart. I, I fail at it more often than I succeed at it. But if you can think of this idea of disappearing and letting Christ be seen through our words, through our actions, and uh, that's going to show the world who, who Christ is and who the Lord who sent him is. And uh, that, that is my hope for my life. And I tell you, these these crazy days we live in, I think, I think it's going to make a difference. We may not be loved for it. We're going to be chased down. We're going to be scorned. But ultimately, there is an eternity ahead of us. And uh, what we do to glorify the Lord is what's going to count. And so I just wanted to leave us with that. Good word. Thank you, Ryan. And that is a wrap on episode 12. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.